You're listening to The Melting Podcast, a writing variety show featuring a little of everything from everyone, everywhere. Hey there, Lexicon of Sewers and Word Chefs. Welcome to episode 47 of The Melting Podcast. I'm your host, AF Grappin. It's just me today, so you get head chef by itself. We are still currently displaced. So this episode is going to be a little short. There is light at the end of the tunnel. Um, By the end of July, at the very least, I should be settled into my new place. If Aaron and Theo's house is not up to snuff at that point, something is going to be very wrong. So our mid-month is probably going to be a little rough again. Hopefully our August 1st episode, which is, oh my gosh, our three-year anniversary, um, should be back up to our usual level of quality and content. But for right now, it is a solo Head Chef episode. I did all the recording. (laughs) So you get to just, it's almost like we're back to the very first episode. It's kind of freaking me out a little bit, honestly. So what I have is just a couple of Stoke the Fire stories. These are from prompt number 11. The empanadas you just took out of the oven exploded and something alive is emerging. Bon appetit. Grody by Brazen Narsterius. I'm standing in the kitchen with three minutes left on the oven timer when the doorbell rings. I head to the front door. Peering through the glass, I discover a clean-cut gentleman in a gray polo shirt. Hello, my name is Charles with Robotech Inc., and we're conducting a survey. Would you be interested in participating? No, thanks. I'm about to eat dinner. Are you sure? He rebuts. It will only take about five minutes. We're just wondering if you've heard of the new plasma technology that's all the rage in household cleaning. No, I haven't, and normally I would tell you to get the hell out of here, but a plasma cleaner? I'm intrigued. Why don't you tell me about it while I eat? Well, uh, okay, Charles agrees. He's quite surprised as he heads over to his car to get the demo kit. In four years of door-to-door sales, no one has ever invited him in during dinner. As I head back to the kitchen, the wonderful smell of mystery empanadas excites my appetite. I get out my new oven mitts and lay them on the counter. Hello? I hear Charles say from the foyer. I'm here. Just make sure you shut the door, I half-heartedly emphasize. The sound of something rolling on the hardwood grabs my attention. To my surprise, he wheels in what looks like an oversized vacuum cleaner. Whoa, what is that? I ask with redirected attention. With a confident smile, Charles replies, This here is the Rovertech J4000. It's our top of the... So wait, because I already have a Dyson, I interject. Oh, Dyson's got nothing on the J4000, he assures me. Not even the same class of technology. If you just bear with me, I'm sure you'll be amazed. Making my skepticism obvious, I reply, Okay, why don't you tell me about it, but if it's just another vacuum cleaner, I'm going to throw you out the front door on your ass. As Charles starts in, I quickly tune out his boringly predictable sales pitch. I can't think of anything other than the yummy empanada surprise that's now only seconds from... Ding! The oven timer sounds to my delight, giving me an excuse to divert my attention. Keep talking. I'm just going to pull these bad boys out of the oven. I amusedly interrupt him again. You want one? I won't be able to eat them all. Um, okay. I never turned down a home-cooked meal. He claims, but I know it's because he never gets offered a home-cooked meal, especially one as good as this magical perfection. 
I reach for my oven mitts and open the oven door. As I pull them out and set them on the counter, I notice the crust is bubbling oddly. There's a weird hissing sound coming from them. I discount it with the notion that they're just a little hot. They just need to cool a bit, I interrupt again. This time I make it blatantly obvious that I don't care about his sales pitch. He gives in and diverts his attention to the empanadas as well. They smell great, he bullshits. I know he's just trying to be nice to my hopefulness that they'll turn out great. Unfortunately, reality begins to set in hard. They smell a bit like wet dog, covered over by the scent of grass clippings that have been sealed in a black plastic garbage bag and placed in the sun for a week. What are they? He continues, trying to keep the enthusiasm up. It's a recipe I found on the internet for empanadas. I've never made them before, but it's just a bunch of weird stuff mixed together. I'm not sure now that it came out right. I reply with deteriorating confidence. That sounds interesting. Pop! One of the empanadas explodes. I shriek with utter astonishment. Looking up embarrassingly at Charles, I try to muster a satisfactory apology. Surprisingly, he's not disgusted. On the contrary, he's wearing an enormous grin. What the hell are you smiling about, I remark, as I quickly get offended that he might be laughing at me in my own kitchen. Just about that time, pop! The second one blows up. Pop, pop! The third and fourth one join in soon thereafter. Empanadas are splattered over the ceiling, the floor, me, Charles, and his Rovertech J4000. I see Charles remove a detachable handle from the device. His face is covered in empanadas, but they can't cover up that smile. What the hell was he smiling at? This is awesome, he says, stricken with excitement. Let me just show you what this baby can do. As he flips a switch, a blue light illuminates the tip of the wand, and he points it at the empanada-covered counter. He pushes a small red button, which causes the wand to shoot a beam of light. Now I just wave this light beam over the mess, and in seconds, you won't even know there was a mess on the counter. Pretty cool, huh? I can see he's thrilled that I've just destroyed my kitchen for the sake of his demonstration. Now I'm really pulling for this thing to do what he says it will. The magic that begins to happen, however, isn't at all what either of us were expecting or hoping for. The empanada stuffing begins to grow as though it's feeding on the light of the J4000. Charles quickly lets go of the red button with a confused look on his face. What the hell are you doing? I ask. You're making it worse. I... I don't know. That's not supposed to happen. It's supposed to make the mess vanish. I've never seen it do this before. Why the hell is it growing, then? You're making it worse. Put it on reverse, I insist. There isn't a reverse, he says, with impending frustration growing in each word. The movement is spreading to other parts of the splattered mess. It won't be long before the crap on her clothes is growing, too. I run to wash it off in the sink, but the mess is growing in and around the sink as well. Little greenish-white egg-like balls start to form. Neither of us have a plan. Charles, we need to get the hell out of here, I say. I have no idea what you just did, but my kitchen is alive with this shit. This is a nightmare. We head for the front foyer and out the door. Charles's proud grin has turned into an expression of devastation, his empanada-covered J4000 in tow. As we resume our bewilderment in the front yard, I can see the little egg thing starting to form on Charles's clothes. About that same time, he remarks that my clothes are growing as well. We're not all that sure how harmful this could get, and instinctively do the only thing we can. It must look like an LSD-induced rage to the neighbors who started congregating in the curb. A couple of middle-aged guys tearing off their shit-covered clothes and dancing with fervent panic around their vacuum cleaner. With what is now a full-blown audience, the J4000 delivers another blast of blue light, 
But this time, there's no way to turn it off. The empanadas have grown over the red button, and it's shooting a steady beam right onto itself. This accelerates the growing eggs, and they begin to pop, releasing furry little three-eyed cat-sized rodents. Luckily, they're pretty stupid and just start attacking each other. It's a full-blown gremlin brawl in my front yard. Sheer pandemonium is being witnessed from the curb. I can only imagine what's going on inside. The Magic of the Kitchen, or Empanadas, by James Silverstein. Let me start by saying that I was never a good cook. Never. I could probably burn water, but that never mattered to my mother. So tell me about your drawing. My mother's cooking was magical, and when I was little, I would be her assistant in the kitchen. She taught me early how to be careful with both knives and fire, and I would chop vegetables and roll out dough and keep her company. More than anything, I think it was the company that was important. We would talk about little things when I was little, what my dolls were up to, what my latest crayon project was. If my ABC's knowledge was in order, and each time I'd joyfully dice veggies and my mother would throw them into the stew, and that night we'd have something delicious. So tell me about this problem in math. As I grew bigger, we talked about bigger things. About school, about friends, even about boyfriends. I know a lot of girls get shy about that sort of thing, but in the kitchen? There was always some great smell that would put me at ease. That particular Friday, however, the smell was of something burning. The smoke detector was going off. I swear, I'm going to make my first million when I find a way to turn those off just by yelling, I'm just cooking! But at that point, cooking was a bit of a stretch for what I was doing. What I was doing was destroying a good piece of pork I'd just picked up. I'd let it sit for only a few minutes, and it was now black jerky. I quickly pulled the pan off the burner and singed myself a little as I dumped the whole thing into the sink and turned off the stove. The loud beeping, the scent of the burnt meat, the thought of the waste, it was all too much for me. I sat down on the kitchen floor and cried. Eventually the smoke cleared and the beeping stopped. Still, everything stank. I just wanted the day to end. To crawl into bed and not open the door for anyone. It was a mess. And it only got worse. My phone chimed. Steve, the guy I'd been making the pork for. He'd suddenly been called out of town. He wasn't coming over. Wasn't spending the weekend with me. He'd call me on Tuesday. I knew it was code. We'd been close to breaking up. At that point, I was so numb, I wasn't even sure how I felt about it. Steve, he was okay. Not great, but okay. He hated how I cooked, and maybe I deserved that a little. He sometimes got a little mad at me for other things, too. And maybe I deserved that as well. And now he was going out of town. No other explanation. I knew I could ask Susan, his neighbor, and one of my good friends what was really going on. I wasn't sure I wanted to. It felt like the sky was falling in. I began to air out the kitchen because I felt I needed to do something. Once the windows were open, I began to weigh dinner-for-one options. And then I thought about empanadas. Empanadas were my mother's specialty, and I spent a lot of time making filling for them. But I was never given the full recipe until she died. Mama left me a small tin box full of handwritten recipe cards, as well as some other kitchen knickknacks. 
I hadn't tried out anything just yet. I think part of me was scared the cooking wouldn't have the same magic and that my childhood memories would be dashed. But still, that day, empanadas. I took the old tin box and thumped through till I found the recipe my mommy used. The ingredient list was pretty straightforward, except for the flour. It was some weird brand, something Mama insisted on. Thankfully, I had two bags of the stuff from my mother's bequest. I took out the veggies and started cutting, and my mind drifted back to the better times. Just her and me. In very little time, I had everything set up and popped in the oven. Then I frowned. No time indicated on the card. Just until done. I'd have to keep watch. And keep watch I did. I wasn't... I, I couldn't... I couldn't let this turn out like the pork. But my mind drifted even more. The one time Eddie Frazier was getting fresh with me and Mama gave me the talk to let me realize I didn't have to put up with it. The time I was struggling so hard in geometry and my Mama's advice about schoolwork. Mended hearts and sage wisdom. And a feeling of love and comfort and safety. That was the kitchen. Bam! It sounded like an explosion in the oven. I cursed loudly. My mind had drifted, and there was the smoke again. Quickly, I opened the oven and yanked out the tray of food. The entire thing had exploded into a mess. I swear I almost wept again. But a single breath later, I was too stunned to do so. The empanadas seemed to be shimmering somehow. It was... <laughs> it's hard to describe. Almost impossible. It was like... They were there and not there. And then the hand came out. I almost screamed, but it moved so fast. The hand, the arm, the shoulder, and then... It was Mama. She climbed out of the empanada mess like she was walking upstairs from the root cellar back home. Her smile was as warm as I could ever remember. I... might have been going mad. And I was about to scream when she pulled herself completely out, landed feet first on the floor, and smiled at me. Angelita, will you cut up some vegetables for me? M Mama? I sputtered. How? She shrugged as if it were the most natural thing in the world. You always knew my cooking was magic. Magic, yes, but this? It's why I gave you the flour. And the recipes. You have a lot to learn, my little one. That is, if you want to learn. I looked at my kitchen and what a mess it had become. A metaphor for my life, maybe. And I looked at my mama, back now, and thought of her own kitchen and how wonderful it had been. Will you teach me? Her smile melted my heart. Coarse little one. Will you chop some vegetables for me? I nodded and took another carrot from the refrigerator. As I began to chop, mama began to hum an old tune. Over her shoulder, she said, So, tell me about this no good Stephen. Okay, I have to admit, those were fun. I love the empanada stories. Um, frankly, just any prompt that we do that involves food makes me very happy. Without further ado, I'm going to hand you over to a promo. The horrors created by mad science. Tentacled monstrosities from beyond the veil. The elder gods themselves. None of these evils can keep occult consulting detective Esho St. Clair from the case. From the mind of Scott Roche comes 
The Casebook of Esho St. Clair. Find out more at www.scottroche.com. And we're back. Unfortunately, that's all the content we've got for you right now, guys. We were so busy at Balticon, we weren't able to get any interviews, so hopefully we'll get some more of those coming up soon. We do have a couple of mystery meals in the works, but need to actually get a chance to get all of us together to record those, because it's not funny if it's just me reading to you. We do have some uh, botched recipes in the works. We've got more panels from Balticon, so like I said, this is temporary, that we're, you know, low on content. So rather than just keep on blustering and apologizing, I'm just going to go ahead and give you your prompts. Two currently open prompts are prompt number 12, write a story featuring some kind of mystic cheese. We really want some stuff for this one, guys, so come on, get those pencils out, okay? And prompt number 13, where did the corn go? Again, I really want to see some great submissions for this. I know you've got ideas. So again, 1,500 words or less. And to submit, you can just go to themeltingpodcast.com slash submissions. Get all our submission guidelines. We're also open for main ingredient stories, 5,000 words or less on any topic. Bonus points if you do them based on a prompt or prompts. Don't forget, you can go to iTunes. We are there and, you know, rate us. It helps a lot, like a real lot. Um, go to shop.spreadshirt.com for our swag store and get t-shirts and all that junk. Most importantly, go to our Patreon, patreon.com slash afgrappin. For as little as a dollar an episode, you back us. It helps us financially. It lets us, uh, you know, eventually pay people for voice work or writing. <laughs> we would love to pay our authors. Um, it helps support our web hosting and all that other mess. Eventually, maybe upgrade recording equipment. But and in return, you get bonus content. Do at, we do at least one patron backer only episode a year? Um, that should be hopefully coming up this fall for our Patreon backers for 2017. Yay! Um, and you get some physical swag. You know, bumper stickers, buttons with our logos on them. We've we might have some new artwork coming up the pipeline. So keep your eyes out for that. But that's pretty much it. I'm going to, you know, apologize and bluster one more time that this is a short episode. Um, August, things should start to get better. Thank you for bearing with us. We love you guys so very, very much. And send us stuff. We'll use it to feed the masses. Thank you for listening to The Melting Podcast. You can check out our website with submission guidelines and current prompts at themeltingpodcast.com. You can also find us on Twitter at Melting Podcast. Or you can email us themeltingpodcast at gmail.com. The Melting Podcast is released under a Creative Commons, attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives license, which means you're free to copy it and share it as long as you don't change it, don't sell it, and always link back to the website. Sound effects are by the Free Sound Project. And our theme is by Drew Rich Creek. <laughs> <laughs>